Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kerchik's Corner. I am your host, Jeff Kerchik. Uh, today, we are joined by a very special guest. I've had the privilege of, I was introduced to this gentleman not too long ago uh, by a mutual acquaintance, and uh, me and this individual have had a lot of great conversations just around sales and uh, customer experience and leadership. We've been posting on LinkedIn about like once a week for the last several months, and I've really appreciated a lot of his wisdom. He's a multiple-time author. He's an inductee into the uh, the Sales Hall of Fame. He is a director uh, at Microsoft, and uh, his name is Carson Hetty. Carson, how are you doing today? Jeff, I am fantastic. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you joining. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. I think you're one of the uh, preeminent uh, folks out there in the sales community who's out there posting a lot of great content. You've obviously written a bunch of books as well. We're going to dive into all of that. Um, but before we do, why don't you just give everybody a little bit of a background about like who you are, you know, what, what, you know, what, what life was like for you growing up and um, how you got into sales. Yeah, no, I, I really, again, I appreciate the opportunity to chat. Always enjoy our conversations, Jeff. Um, you know, I, I feel like a very fortunate student of the selling game. I, uh, you know, always like to remind people I'm just a small town Midwest U.S. kid. And, uh, you know, I grew up in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which is best known as the hometown of Rush Limbaugh and also the uh, uh, place where they filmed the Ben Affleck movie Gone Girl. So, um, you know, very humble beginnings from that perspective. I was an only child. I never had any designs on getting into sales. Uh, moved to St. Louis after college and uh, lived here ever since. Uh, started in a sales role that I thought was going to be more customer service oriented. Found out very quickly that wasn't the case. It was a very one call close esque type of environment on the phones. And um, that's where I cut my teeth. I moved up very quickly uh, in the telecommunications and then ultimately advertising venues within AT&T. And, um, you know, that was the rest was history. Uh, but what's also been interesting about my career, Jeff, is that I've had two very distinct components of my career. There was the AT&T years. Um, you know, I was in sales and leadership from that capacity. And then uh, there have been the years since then, uh, writing Birth of a Salesman in the year 2010, getting that published the old fashioned way. Um, it beget some relationships uh, that ultimately led me to Microsoft. I've worked for some big companies. I've worked for some small companies. Um, I've even turned down two of the largest companies in the world. It's been a uh, kind of a pinch myself type of situation. I had no uh, initial intention of getting into sales, but sales has been very good to me. And I love uh, connecting with other sellers and leaders. I'm very fortunate now to be at Microsoft where I've been for seven and a half years. Uh, currently, mo most recently became a sales director in our healthcare, health and life sciences division. Fantastic. Yeah. And if anybody like goes and looks at your LinkedIn, it's, you know, riddled with awards. You've, you know, you're, you're always like the top player in all these places where you've been setting different sales records and things like that. And, I, you know, to, to have those types of accolades, um, you can't really be passive. You need to be passionate in order to be really successful and, and consistently as well in, in the sales world. And so, you know, I, I look at that and I look at what you've accomplished and it, and it, it makes me realize that you, you know, you're, you're, you're obviously very passionate about your craft. What is it that you like about sales? The opportunity to connect with people meaningfully. Um, you know, sales is a relationships and resources game. 
Um, yeah, I feel like if you really understand the resources that are at your disposal and you uh, proactively seek to serve, um, you create relationships internally and with clients um, and you invest in those relationships, then it will be very rewarding. Um, I've enjoyed sales because I've been able to connect with people all over the world. And I always like to say that anybody uh, can do some of the things that I've done. I mean, you've called out some of the awards um, which are a phenomenal byproduct of the successes. But at the same time, I've had a lot of losses. Um, there's sales is an up and down game, just like life. And I think it's a key to be um, adaptable, uh, to evolve your craft over time, um, and also to be resilient. Um, you know, there's, it's a choice to continue uh, to try to do things, um, you know, the way you see fit, the way, you know, to continue to evolve your process, um, to continue to rise in the face of no. Um, so there's a lot of different elements of sales that I really enjoy and gravitate toward, but it isn't for everyone. Um, I take a very different approach, I think, than many, uh, which is the very reason why I feel that I've been successful. Um, you know, I very much try proactively to create relationships, um, to understand as best I can how to be of value to the folks that I'm connecting with, and to understand what looks like a win for everybody in the room, people on my team, the customer, and then do everything I can to create that win. Doesn't work every time, uh, but if you do these things consistently over time, you'll be successful. That's great. And, and in that vein, I, I'd love to hear from you. Like, you know, I, I was taught that listening is the most important skill to have in sales, like the most important um, thing, thing in, sell, in, in being successful in sales. Do you agree with that? Or would you say there's something else that's, you know, the most important part of being successful as a seller? Being successful as a seller, frankly, from a career standpoint, comes down to perseverance over time, but it's very much an application of process. And if I were to highlight one element of the process that's most important, it is that listening element. Look, I'm always surrounded by somebody that's smarter than me. Um, and I had to embrace that early on, uh, whether it's my colleagues or whether it's customers who obviously know far more about their priorities, pain points, and um, you know projects than I would ever know. So um, I think you have to create a fertile ground for information sharing. And then absolutely, you've got to understand what's at the pulse of the customer how better are you gonna do that than listening? So listening is probably the most important element of a selling process. Awesome. And what was you know, to you the most important or significant uh, moment for you in your sales career, whether it was an achievement or a realization, something along those lines, like something that you look back on fondly as a, as a top moment for you in your career? It's every time I lost and then managed to come back from it. Um, you know, I was, what I felt at the time, um, inexplicably looking for work a couple of times in my career, didn't expect uh, to be looking for work at these times. And it was harder than I thought it would be um, in order to find something that I felt was commensurate with my skills and my resume at the time. Um, but it always led me down a better path, a better path for learning and growth. There was also a very challenging year uh, that I had several years ago. Um, it was uh, my first year uh, doing a specific role. And um, I did not, it was the first time I'd ever missed a goal. I hit 93% uh, that year and um, wasn't reflective of my, what I felt like my effort was. Um, I was, you know, 
probably looking, I was doing things a little bit differently than the grain investing in what I felt would be longer term success. <clears throat> and even though it paid off, um, it led to a lackluster year. And uh, there was a feeling at the time that, you know, hey, am, am I in over my head? Like, have I reached this this point where, you know, my luck's going to run out? And um, there was, you know, the following year um, had a phenomenal bounce back year, uh, an award-winning year. And putting the final touches on that, um, that, that award-winning year and all of the team and collaborative effort that went into that, um, it was just such a rewarding feeling. Um, there's only so many times in life that you can, you know, go up the mountain and continue to go up. So I think you've got to really uh, make sure that you appreciate and are thankful for and understand what it took uh, to get to some of these key milestones. But every time that I've been able to bounce back from a loss, um, those are my favorite moments. Love it. Yeah. There's always this question uh, that I've been asked in interviews from time to time. It's like, do you love to win more or, you know, hate to lose? Like which, you know, which, which matters more to you? Um, well, I guess, you know, where, where do you think you fit on that spectrum? Like, do you, do you love winning or hate losing more? You think? Definitely love winning. I, I don't hate losing. Um, don't get me wrong. It, it's painful. Um, but I don't hate it because I always look for the learning in it. Um, every deal that I've lost, I've been able to see around corners better in the future. Um, you know, if there was something that, uh, you know, clipped me in a deal, you know, think about a deal that you're, especially a complicated deal. I mean, there could be 30, 40, 50, um, you know, variables or, or intangibles that you've got to make sure that you're managing. And you may manage 49 of them properly and still get clipped by one in the waning moments of a deal. And, um, you know, <laughs> over time, uh, trust me, I mean, I've had a lot of these things clip me during deals. So it's, it's, I think it's key that we take these learnings forward. I don't hate to lose. Um, I, I don't often lose, uh, but that's only because I've lost in the past. And I like to say that, you know, specifically from a coaching or even a writing sales books perspective, um, I mean, I've stumbled and fallen. So people that hopefully I coach and or that read my books don't have to, um, you know, I try to give the insight uh, that I've been able to glean over the course of losing. Um, so don't get me wrong. I don't enjoy losing, but I much prefer winning and winning through the course of um applying process, making the right relationships and applying all the key learnings that I've had over time. That's great. Um, and I guess I never, I never went full circle on my question before, but you talked about, you know, greatest moment, which I think is coming back from some of these tough times, bouncing, you know, rebounding and uh, overcoming adversity. What was like a, a low moment for you or like a, you know, either a bad experience or just, you know, time where you kind of doubted yourself? I guess, you know, you talked a little bit about how you had a rough year a few years ago. Was that it? Or was there another moment that you would point to as kind of like um, a lower moment for you? Yeah, no, there's been a couple. Um, you know, when I found myself looking for work about a decade ago, um, unexpectedly, it was one of those situations where, uh, you know, you go from this high octane, um, high volume uh, pace to a standstill. And uh, for, you know, people like me, people that are, you know, um, you know, very eager to have a different, you know, have an impact, make a difference. 
um, it's challenging. It's challenging to take those moments where you have to slow down or pause or uh, reevaluate. And uh, so that was very challenging for me. I suppose the lowest points are the ones where, um, you know, you do, you have to craft a new course, maybe unexpectedly. That's happened to me a couple of times. But the amazing thing in all of that, Jeff, is when I look back, um, I see the very distinct reason why those things happened and how they actually made me more effective, made me better, made me more appreciative of what I had. So um, the tough sales year, um, I mean, that is frankly what beget uh, Salesman on Fire uh, for me, my latest book. It was... Um, it was a nickname, a moniker that I got at the, at the time. One of the one of the guys I was working with started calling me Man on Fire, like the Denzel movie, because I was just it almost put me to another level entirely. And I was already, um, you know, operating at, at a, what I felt like was a very high level. But um, it just took me to through the stratosphere from that vantage point compared to my previous self. Um, so I think these low moments, I, it's crucial that we don't dwell on them, but that we take them and are able to look back and be appreciative of what they beget, um, because those have all uh, really helped me become better. That's great. And, and, I, and it's a perfect segue. I was going to ask you about the books that you've written. You've written several. Um, talk to us a little bit about, A, like what inspired, I mean, I think you, you started to touch on that just a moment ago, but what inspired you to write this series what are what are the, what are your books about and and even give us like you know if you're willing to a little bit of a sneak preview of what the future may hold for you with regards to uh, future authorship? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I I love to write. I always have. Um, I entered writing contests when I was younger. I used to write stories about my classmates and me, like time traveling or going to outer space. I always liked writing. And when I was at AT and T. Um, I started writing this newsletter column. Uh, so we had this division-wide newsletter and they asked me to write a column in it each, um, each month. And so I did, and I found that a lot of these topics were about sales. I enjoyed talking about sales and leadership. Um, let's be real, there's a lot of sales books out there. I didn't want to try to compete with them. Um, you know, they've been done very well. And uh, so I wanted to do something completely different. So I created kind of a book inside of a book, a fictional protagonist who writes a sales book. And he is the, uh, you know, the primary driver of the story. So I've created this character. Um, he writes a book, but then in the storyline, he goes through the experiences that have, um, you know, from where he has gleaned these life lessons. And then he writes his book. Um, the first one I did was Birth of a Salesman in 2010. And, um, you know, I've written three more since uh, The Salesman Against the World, A Salesman Forever, and Salesman on Fire. Um, as for the future, you know, I, I never say never anymore because I said I wouldn't write a fourth. Um, but uh, I currently am trying to put together the pieces of a next one, which is going to be called uh, The Show Must Go On. Um, and it's really just about that conscious decision uh, that we have to make every single day. Uh, to continue to plow forward when things are uncertain, uh, when times are uncertain, when sales is changing all around us, um, you know, how do we continue to, uh, to press forward? And I'm inspired. I'm inspired by sellers and, and by leaders the people that I've been able to connect with and meet. Um, writing that book was really impactful for me, but not for the reasons that I think a lot, you know, maybe some people write books. I wrote it because I felt like I had something to say. Um, I wanted to contribute to the sales ecosystem. Um, you know, it was one of those things for me where, too, my the, the a job that I was actually found and, and hired for uh, years ago, um, only my, my resume stood out from the multitude of other applicants because 
I had written that book. Um, and I can very distinctly trace back uh, to that moment um, you know, from a relationships perspective, ones that led me to a subsequent job, another subsequent job, and then to Microsoft. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that book. So um, it's just amazing how you can look back on a career, but uh, realize that as a seller, stand out. How are you going to stand out from others? Uh, what unique value can you bring? Um, and there's a litany of ways that you can do that. I would challenge anybody listening today to just think about your unique superpowers. How can you leverage it to stand out in a meaningful way? Because anybody can do or replicate the things that I've done. Um, so that for me is what the book journey has been. Fantastic. Um, and as you've alluded to just now, I mean, you've had a pretty solid career. I mean, you've been in the game for a little, for, for a period of time. Um, how has selling evolved? You know, I mean, I feel like today is very different than it was even, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Um, for one thing, there's a lot of automation and uh, there's a lot more information that's available on people's finger at people's people's excuse me at people's fingertips, right? So, you know, in terms of you would think that like what a salesperson needs to provide is a little bit different today than it was before. Um, but how have you seen it change over time? Like, how is it different today than it was when you started your career? Yeah, I love that question. Uh, you hit on a few of them, Jeff, and it's it's really the tools that have changed because at the heart, sales is still about relationships, resources, people, and process. Um, I look at sales like a game of chance as well. Um, you know, there's a very much relationship component of that. You know, you get to know the person across from you. You um, you know you understand how best to play your hand, um, and you do everything you can to control probability. Uh, but at the same token, all of the tools have changed. There is so much more information at your fingertip. It makes you up your game. Um, you know, if these extra variables are out there, uh, these things that you can control uh, are out there, like understanding industry intelligence or, um, you know, ways that you can prospect or ways that you can connect meaningfully with clients, uh, this digital engagement um, that has become the norm, uh, it, it forces us to change um, the the way that we go to market, it forces us to take on and assimilate these new tools into our process. But at the heart of it, it's still the same. Um, you know, it's still the 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 expectation. It's the table stakes uh, that we come to the table with something interesting to say. That we come to the table with uh, in, intent to create a meaningful relationship, uh, to add value, as opposed to just trying to regurgitate everything that our company does. Um, and I think some of the glaring inadequacies of, of many sellers come out more now than ever before, uh, just because it's so easy to connect. So uh, if you're able to stand out and you're able to do things in an exemplary fashion, it's just going to make you all the better. So uh, sales has changed because, you know, when I started um you know, we were in an inbound call center. I later had an outbound call center that I managed. Uh, we started out dialing off Excel spreadsheets, picking up a phone, and then we invested in an auto dialer. Now, you know, I look back, I wish I had the capabilities to do, um, you know, automation, to do recording of some of these calls and actually use AI to look for some of the keywords when they're mentioned. Uh, we didn't have a lot of that. You know, even when I was a sales manager, we listened to calls manually. Um, it was a cumbersome process. And so a lot of the, the, the process has been changed over time, but it doesn't change or, or eradicate the need for us to be effective uh, with all of these new tools. We've got to learn these 
various tools. I liken it to a doctor. Um, you have to understand the latest and greatest from a um, surgical procedures and tools perspective, um, understanding how technology can play into it, or you become obsolete. And I think the same is true for sellers. Uh, we've got to understand the tools at our disposal, understand the playing field and the parameters. And that is how you truly can maximize and optimize sales as a student. Fantastic. Um, I want to kind of pivot into, well, I guess in a way, this is part of the evolution of, of sales. So kind of related to my last question, but you know, one of the things that has emerged um, as a phenomenon today in the, in the sales world is this idea of social selling. Um, and I'd written in my book about how to do this authentically and, and in, a, in a good way. Um, and and uh, really what I mean by that is to kind of just say like, you know, talk from the heart Something I appreciate, Carson, about the content that you put out there is it's it doesn't feel contrived to me. It feels very authentic. You're kind of always coming from a place of genuine curiosity, and you you know whether it's with myself or other folks in the industry, you 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 kind of spark these interesting conversations that generate a lot of uh, reactions and and good feedback. Um, so I, I like the way that you do that. And I guess what, you know, I, I, I want to ask you about for our listeners is like, why is this important? You know, why is social selling um, something that is important to you? Why is it important to be out and about? And talk a little bit about your philosophy, too, about how to do that in a way that it's effective. Now, thank you for that observation and statement. It's there's a litany of ways that I could respond to that. But I, I will say this social uh, selling is is really just selling with all of the updated tools and, and processes and parameters that exist today. Um, you know, we have these remarkable ways, as you highlighted, uh, to reach out and, and create relationships, unlock doors, um, create a relationship maybe that wouldn't exist otherwise. I've created many um, executive relationships with clients, um, also key relationships within my own organizations over the years, just by using LinkedIn. And, um, it's one thing, you know, when you're able to do that, but obviously to be able to, you know, that's one step. Um, you've got to take it a step further. And I think that's where the authenticity comes into play. Um, you know, I've created relationships with senior executives on LinkedIn, been in their office the following week, um, you know, then trying to create and invest in a relationship over time that takes it outside of the social component. So I think that's where we've got to look, Jeff, is, you know, how can we, uh, social has been, has become for me a brand. Um, I, I challenge everyone to really think about what does your brand say about you? You know, you were highlighting, um, you know, my LinkedIn profile as an example. I've, I've tried to be very intentional with the way that I convey first off that I'm very proud of where I work. Um, I'm very proud of what I've been able to achieve working with magical teams over the years. Um, proud of the contributions that I've made to sales, um, but also very open to continuing dialogue. Um, you know, it was actually last year I was lamenting to somebody that um, I just miss sitting around talking about sales. And then I realized I, I can do that anywhere. There's no geographical barriers anymore. Um, hence starting to have some of these conversations. And it's funny, some people call it my podcast. I, I don't even look at myself as having a podcast. I just like having conversations about sales. And then to your point, starting uh, dialogue, you know, asking questions to the sales community and getting feedback. I love to learn. Um, I love the fact that, you know, we can talk to people all over the world. Um, but you know, what's amazing is 
When I started at Microsoft seven and a half years ago, um, I felt very much like a, like an NBA sixth man, like somebody that could come in. I had some unique skills, but I was surrounded by a lot of people that were younger than me and a heck of a lot smarter than I was. And I just wanted to play a role. I just wanted to fill a, you know, fill a part. And it was interesting for me because I was doing things differently than anyone else. I was using social tools to not only create relationships, but stay top of mind, engage people over time. I created newsletters and webinars and events and uh, just built a community around what I was doing. And nobody else was doing it that way. Well, lo and behold, it was a very successful approach. My team in St. Louis was number one um, on a business scorecard that we had for eight quarters in a row in the world. And there's just no re rhyme or reason for stuff like that. Um, it's a probability thing. And if you invest uh, very substantially in a litany of different ways and mediums, and you stay top of mind with clients over time, um, it can definitely give you a higher probability of engagement, success, and ultimately pipeline and deals. Um, and I think that's where for me, social has become a brand here at Microsoft. I've done similar to what I just described in multiple roles. I'm not a typical or a prototypical IT solutions seller. In fact, I have um, zero background relative to a lot of my colleagues in IT solution sales, um, even in healthcare. Um, but I feel very privileged to be where I am. Um, I've created some phenomenal relationships in the organization, uh, was even highlighted as the number one social seller in all of Microsoft because of a social engagement platform that we had here, and also the notoriety that ultimately came with uh, dozens of million plus dollar deals that were converted uh, that all began on LinkedIn. Um, but that doesn't happen overnight. It's investing in a process that you believe in. Um, it's really understanding what is your superpower. Mine was I could create relationships. I could orchestrate the, uh, the team and bring resources to bear for clients. And it paid off, um, but it took a long time to get to this point. Um, you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to understand your superpowers. How can you add unique value in your organization and for those that you interact with? Um, and, you know, again, I like to always go back to the fact that, um, you know, on paper, there's literally no reason why a small town Midwest U.S. kid uh, should or could be able to do these things. Um, but if you invest and you understand the unique value that you bring, you do these things over time uh, and you fly in the face of the losses, um, you can certainly be successful. Awesome. So that brings us to kind of the end here. I, I you know, for folks that want to learn more about you, buy your books, find you on LinkedIn, you know, give us the rundown, how people find you, how they connect with you, how they consume your content. Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate our, our time as always, Jeff. Um, you know, if you want to find me, I would absolutely encourage you to on LinkedIn, love uh, connecting, love having conversations, um, always love talking with other sellers and leaders um, I'm findable on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Uh, my handle is CV as in Vincent Hetty 007. Um, and I've got a, uh, you can find my blog at uh, carsonvhetty.com. Uh, books are available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and uh, some other, uh, some other sites. But um, no, I would love to uh, connect with any sellers out there. Awesome. Carson, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to, it was great to have you here. Jeff, thank you. Um, hopefully this uh, resonates with some listeners and uh, until we meet again. Awesome. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you next time on Kerchik's Corner.